Hello and welcome to the Skies and Currents podcast. It's Thursday, January 25th. I'm Christina Funkhauser and I'm here with Teresa Ulfa. And we are going to talk about Pluto in Aquarius. Hello, Christina. Hi, Tess. So nice to see you. (laughs) You too. Um, This has been a very intense couple of days. I don't know if you're feeling it in your household, but I am certainly feeling it. (laughs) Yeah. um, So, yeah. So this is our second Pluto-focused episode that we're going to do. So it's a follow-up to the saying goodbye to Pluto and Capricorn. Now we are going to say hello to Pluto and Aquarius. Hi, Pluto. Hi. Yeah, so today actually is the Leo full moon. So that is, today is Thursday, the 25th. Um, Mm -hmm. And Pluto moved into Aquarius Saturday, the 20th in the evening, around 5 p.m. So we're at the very early early stages of this transit and this will be the this is the first full moon to highlight the transit because Pluto um is in Aquarius right now which is directly opposite Leo so the full moon is just blasting her light on Pluto today so it's a little bit extra there's there's a lot of extra charge around it yeah, it's been, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just exhausted. I'm just completely exhausted. And a lot of, I mean, I kind of knew when we did that, the year ahead reading that this month was going to be that. Yeah. Which is why I was kind of worried about it. And a lot of, and I'm so thankful to be working so much. You know, I hate to complain about that, but at the same time, it's like at this point in the month, I'm like, are we going to make it? can make it through the month (laughs) doesn't feel doesn't feels like maybe not yeah it's been a lot I think for me it's been less busyness and more just an immense amount of pressure and Mm -hmm. for me this Pluto transit is engaging my natal moon which is one of the I guess more difficult, traditionally more difficult Pluto um, transits is when he engages the moon directly because mm-hmm. the moon has so much to do with your body and your emotions. So when Pluto gets involved, it's like a direct hit. <laughs> so it's just pulling you, pulling your body and pulling your, your emotional life into the underworld. So yeah, it's been a couple of intense days, but um, I don't expect that it will stay at this heightened level of intensity Um, yeah so that's part of what I want to maybe talk about today is like the way that planets announce themselves when they move into a new sign (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's what you told me was that it was just more of what kind of already has been where there's like this conflict between my work and my home yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which continues to be accurate and <laughs> But also, like, easiest prediction ever to make for any working mother. <laughs> like, That's so true. <laughs> That's also yeah. true. I basically get no points at all for that astrological <laughs> prediction. Like, oh, are you a working mother? Do you have tension between your home and your work? Ooh, I bet that's getting highlighted right now and always. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. And I think it's so we talk about the the houses in astrology, right? So the three kind of basic principles of the natal chart, or not principles, but the basic um, components of a natal chart are the planets, the zodiac signs, and the houses. And so in the natal chart, um, in the kind of astrology I practice, which is whole sign houses, every zodiac sign sort of rules a particular house in the chart. And the houses pertain to a different area of our life, and they're all ruled by a specific planet. So (laughs) what this Pluto ingress has really got me thinking about is how literal, how how literally um, you can, I guess literally is not at all the right word, um, but how houses in general are kind of a perfect metaphor for the way that we experience these transits, right? So you can literally think of it as the planets coming over to your house. <laughs> like granted, you know, we have 12 houses in our chart, and so each house rules a different part of our life. But if you imagine that you have 12 estates, <laughs> that you live in sometimes like you're not you're not fully residing in any of these estates but you're a tenant in all of them right and you're leasing the land or you're leasing the house from a planet (laughs) um but if you think about this as a metaphor every time a planet ingresses into a new sign it is as if they are knocking at the door and walking through the threshold right so there's this concept in astrology of the announcement. Um, So every planet will kind of announce itself when it moves into a new sign. But similarly to like the relationships that we have with people, different people are going to come, different people are going to like enter our home differently depending upon the relationship that we have with them, right? So like a lunar type person, like the someone like the moon who comes to visit your house once a month at least, right? So someone who frequently comes over, they're just going to maybe walk through the door. They're going to make themselves a drink. They're going to maybe sit on the couch and watch a show while you take a nap. Like there's a level of comfort, right, with, um, with a planet or a person that comes over frequently, um like a venus venus person (laughs) is gonna show up like not all the time but they're gonna come to every party and they're gonna come with flowers they're gonna come with gifts they're gonna try to make everyone happy and feel good and 
Venus is a planet that visits, uh, that moves fairly frequently, right? So when she ingresses into a new sign, it's not that big of a deal. It's really nice. We all feel the present, her presence. We're like, oh, Venus is here. Yay. But it's not like disruptive. It's not something that we have to pay a lot of attention to. Um, like a Mars, Mars only comes to a planet every, or comes to a new, each zodiac sign like once every two years. So he's like a little bit of a bigger deal, right? And we don't even totally know what kind of mood he'll be in when he shows up. So he's a little more disruptive, right? Like he might come in like elated from battle and like come through the door and just like razz everybody up, like, you know, get drunk really fast. You know, he might cause that kind of a disruption or he might come in super moody and pissed off and, you know, throw all his shit on the floor and collapse on the couch and like, just be angry, you know, so we might feel like anger. And so Mars, like, absolutely, there's a disruption. But still, we've had Mars in our life come into all of our houses many times, right? So it's not like this overwhelming uh, announcement, right? But then when we get to the outer planet, it's a totally different story. Right, because we're only going to experience them transit different houses or different parts of our chart. Um, in most cases, for all the outer planets, we're talking about Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto no more than once in our life. So <laughs> when Pluto comes over, it's like, you know, not a friend. It's not someone you're familiar with. It's maybe like your eccentric your darkly eccentric aunt that you've only met once in your life from, you know, some very distant place and you've only heard rumors about her, you know, and she's not just coming to visit, she's coming to live with you for like 20 years. <laughs> so you're going to start to feel, you're going to start to feel it like a couple of days in advance, right? You're going to be like even weeks in advance going to know that it's happening like oh like uh, she's making her travel arrangement she's on the plane she's texting me she's around the corner like it's this really big deal and then when she walks through your door it's like it's not a familiar thing it's like you have to you have to greet them you have to orient them you probably have to entertain them for several days or weeks and show them the city and make space for them in your home <laughs> and you know let them get comfortable and let them find, you know, stake out their space and stake out their purpose and get the lay of the land. And that's, I think, why outer planet transits feel so much different and feel so dramatic when they occur. Because what it really is, is the announcement of a series of themes that you're going to be feeling on and off for a very long period of time. And so it can have this effect where it's like, oh my God, Pluto moved, like, and this really bad thing happened, or I feel horrible, or I'm panicking, or I'm just like in distress. We have like a lot of big emotional reactions. And so sometimes it will feel like, oh my God, is this gonna be how it is for 20 years? But no, it's not how it'll be for 20 years. It's just that 
always upon the ingress, you get this phase of announcement. And it's like the best thing we can do is just pay attention to what comes up because it's like information about what's what's going to come. Does that kind of make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that is a really good uh, way of describing it, like having some having a visitor come stay for an extended window of time. Right, right. And and in the same capacity, like when you have a visitor who like an extended house guest, it's always really disruptive in the in the first couple days or weeks. But eventually you're like, OK, like, you know where the food is, like you do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. You know, maybe they close the door to the guest room. You don't see them for a couple of days. Um, and depending upon the guest, you know, and your relationship to the guest, the disruptions may be very infrequent. Or they might be frequent. Mm -hmm. Like, do you get along with this guest? Does this guest like being in your house? It, are they comfortable there? What's their mission? Why are they there? So these are all of the things that we're negotiating. And different planets have different levels of comfort in different signs. And they also have different relationships with the, like, rulers of the sign. So in this case, Aquarius is the territory we're talking about and Pluto is the guest. So the ruler of Aquarius is Saturn and Saturn and Pluto have like a notoriously <laughs> challenging relationship, right? Like every time these two planets come together or aspect each other, we have like global meltdown, right? So that occurred. The last Saturn Pluto conjunction was, January 2020. <laughs> so like, you know, we're dealing with a planet in a space where he already has a sort of touchy and contentious relationship with with the ruler of that place. So so yeah, I've I've been thinking about it that way, not just to explain it on the podcast, but to calm myself down. <laughs> like it's okay. <laughs> Pluto just moved in. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna we're gonna survive this. Yeah, for sure. I think um, <laughs> I've had this, uh, and maybe this probably has something to do with being first house Pluto. But a lot of people I know that are fairly close to me have had some kind of scary moments over the past few weeks, and I'm I'm just incredibly optimistic and thankful that they're not worse i'm like but look at how well it worked out look at all the resources we have available to deal with this look at you know this could have been so much like i have all this very like strong positivity like oh yeah this yeah. is something to deal with this is something that's gonna last this is just something we're moving through um yeah. so my my perspective i mean and it's hard because i don't think they've necessarily shared that perspective with me <laughs> so I don't want to be insensitive <laughs> yeah well I'm like, I'm like this is great no I, I mean I don't say it like that but I have been just like looking it's very very clear to me to look at all the the ways that it could have gone I guess is what right. is very obvious You're like oh this you have like a lot of grace or fortune or luck that's going to make this okay um, right well and I've really learned that from you over the years when it comes to 
this concept of grace being like not just good things happening to you or having access to you know ease or positivity or whatever but having the fortune protection grace however you want to put it of encountering obstacles in manageable circumstances yeah i mean because we there's always going to be difficulty right like Pluto is always going to be in our chart somewhere. Saturn's always going to be in our chart somewhere. Like there's always going to be these hard moments. And, but, but then there's also just like these little pockets of like, okay, this is going to make it work. And this is going to yeah. make it okay. Um, yeah. These are all the resources I have at my disposal to, to negotiate through this pile of obstacles or to, engage directly with this revealed trauma or this revealed um, issue and and try to work through it and transform it, which is sort of, as we've talked about at length, the key, um, the key goal of Pluto to highlight the material that needs to be faced, sorted through, and ultimately transformed. Um, and this is why Pluto is so closely associated with fear is that it the first obstacle that we have to move through with Pluto, that's the obstacle associated with all of the material that Pluto wants to change is this the fear that comes both from the material itself and also the resistance to engaging with the material and the fear of engaging with the material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, like we talked at length in the last episode about Capricorn um, and how Cap- like Pluto's shift through Capricorn sort of smashed um, our trust in a lot of our institutions of authority because Capricorn represents, you know, the patriarch and these systems of um, governance and systems of authority. But we didn't talk a lot about what, Aquarius represents and what a Pluto might be kind of challenging in Aquarius. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's an interesting shift, right? This shift from, from Pluto in Capricorn to Pluto in Aquarius, because what he's moving across is from one sign of Saturn to the next sign of Saturn. And Saturn's primary signification probably above and beyond all of his other significations is of time like time itself (laughs) um and so his two zodiac signs both have a different kind of rulership over and relationship to time so capricorn is past time and traditions so all of the past time and traditions that create the foundation of the structures of now. <laughs> so that's part of where it gets its like authority, um, the, its rulership over authority, because it's like, this is what we've always done. This is the way we do it. And then we create these institutions to... Um, organize the power around the traditions and organize the power around the decided upon 
way forward. Um, but the, the decided upon a way to do things. Now, Aquarius is future time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aquarius rules all of the um, ideas and the concepts and the um, enthusiasm that we have for how things should be in the future. And this is why it's an air sign, right? Because the future can really only exist as an idea. (laughs) Um, It's not the most sort of tangible sign. It's a very idea, mental based sign. And it has a lot of relationship to the collective and to collectivism, in part because in order to change the structures of the present into a different sort of organization or idea we have around the future, we have to rally a lot of people to support our ideas. Um, And in Aquarius, there's a lot of idealistic thinking about what is best for everybody moving forward. And that's part of where we get this like association with collectivism and collective movements and and revolution and and all of these things. Um, But at its very basic core, (laughs) Aquarius is what how how should things be mm-hmm. it's that's like the fundamental question of aquarius like who does who, who who is left out of our current system who's left on the outskirts like where are the boundaries now and where should we push them to um and aquarius tends to be um a very systematic sign um because people are like aquarian folks and aquarian processes tend to be about analyzing how systems can be perfected and made better and how we can create new things based on better ideas so yeah i've been thinking about this a lot and and the sort of biggest take that I keep hearing from most astrologers is like AI, 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 robots. Like everyone is going to feel a lot of fear of the future with um, Pluto moving in to a future, like a future oriented sign of Aquarius. But I actually think the primary initial signification of the primary initial effect of Aquarius of Pluto moving into Aquarius is going to be just blowing up everybody's ideas about the future and feeling like fear of the future and not of any specific thing and not necessarily of just technology or just AI, but like Mm -hmm. your future, (laughs) like what does my future hold? Um, and I think that that is a, a key thing theme that I've heard just even the last few days from myself and from other people. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to be? Like, how are we going to make it? Like, this just this roiling fear around the uncertainty of the future. I feel kind of bad because I've not had the worst time <laughs> in this <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I feel great. I feel like really optimistic. I feel physically better than I have in a long time. <laughs> I feel really good. 
That's because you are Pluto, Tess. <laughs> You're like really sweet. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think that everybody is necessarily feeling this as strongly. It's but if you are, if you do have a planet that's getting like tapped by Pluto, um, then you're probably feeling it or if you if it moved into a house that's particularly important to your life you're probably feeling it yeah um well and i I know and i sorry if i'm misremembering this you can correct me but i think also it might my my feeling good might not be related so much to pluto moving it might be more related to being a scorpio and having pressure come off that sign in another way I think I feel like I remember you saying something about that. I just think like you're thriving with Mars and Capricorn because you're a Scorpio yeah, ruled okay. by Mars and Mars is in okay. like the strongest yeah. place he can be right now. Okay. So you're like so, productivity. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of more like the way I've been thinking about it and, and trying to explain it to people is this is just a moment to feel what's coming up and take note of it and try not to take any uh, dramatic action based on those feelings because we're in, again, the announcement phase, right? So nothing that happens right now is, is indicating a level of intensity that's going to have any sort of long-term staying power. It's more like... Again, like if you have your eccentric aunt, you know, that you don't know, move into your house, like you're not going to have a persistent level of engagement with someone who's going to live with you for 20 years. You know, you're gonna, Mm -hmm. you're gonna settle in to your, to your Mm -hmm. space, you know, and then it's when Pluto is gonna stations retrograde or stations direct or um, interacts with another planet those are the times when you're going to like open the door and be like, what, what are you doing in here? You're, you're building a bomb in my house. You can't build a bomb in my house. You know, just like uncovering the absurd underworld dramas of Pluto. Um, but it's not going to be like a, at a consistent clip. I don't think. Um, the other thing I'm sort of thinking a lot about with Pluto is the fact that um, in Aquarius, which is ruled by Saturn, um, we're going to be looking to the condition of of Saturn to tell us something about the nature of this transit. Mm-hmm. And right yeah. now, yeah, Saturn's in Pisces, making his way toward Neptune. So yeah. we're already starting to feel this fear about the future. And then we're looking to the planet that rules the sign. What we're going to get back is like, more confusion right because saturn is underwater in pisces headed toward the planet of like obfuscation confusion haze um you know just the planet that makes things the most unclear so we're going to be like saturn is this real is this what is really happening he's going to be like i i don't know we, we don't know what's happening or he's not even going to respond. You know, we can't even get him on the phone. He's going to be sending emails and they're just going to spam, you know, like, I think it's going to mm-hmm. be a couple of years of just like, we don't know 
what's happening here. We don't know what's coming. We don't know if these occurrences, if these feelings are really indicated, like indicating our actual future trajectory, or if they're just strange phantoms that are appearing mm-hmm. to us in this moment. Um mm-hmm. You know, and Pluto is going to amplify whatever it is that we're most afraid of. You know, Pluto's going to be like redecorating in Aquarius. <laughs> He's going to be like, oh, I love these robots. Can we get a lot more of these robots in here? You know, so I don't know. I think it's, I think it's going to be an interesting time. And I think that, um, yeah, if you've had, any sort of really dramatic or disruptive event come up in the last week, um, you know, try, try not to be too terrified (laughs) and try to just, you know, take the feelings for what they are. Um, But I I think that this is just going to be a period, especially, um, especially when Mars moves into Aquarius on the 12th of February. Um, It's going to just be a period of like settling in with Pluto in this new place and, you know, feeling what, how, feeling how he's going to engage with the other planets in this new circumstance it's kind of like this whole month is like a welcome party you know and and today we get to feel like what does it feel like when the moon says hi to pluto you know what does it feel like on february 4th when mercury moves into aquarius and says hello to pluto what what is it going to feel like when mars says hello to pluto what is it going to feel like when venus says hello to pluto we we don't we don't know because none of us have ever lived through pluto and aquarius before so we get to feel all these new feelings. I know. I was thinking when you were talking about Saturn and Pisces right now, I was like, oh, it's like a new, it's like a dream that you've never yeah. had before. So you don't know whether it's a good dream or a bad dream or like a prophetic dream or a processing dream or a confusing dream or like it's it's like this brand new dreamscape. Um, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I've been thinking a lot about um, Saturn and Neptune together as like a Willy Wonka sort of archetype because my son Avi loves the new Wonka movie. um, So we always are listening to that soundtrack. And um, I looked at when the movie came out and I was like, I bet this was, this came out right during the um, sun uh sun neptune square in december and sure enough it came out on like the day of the sun, the sun neptune square and um and i was like oh interesting that this is coming out during um this saturn neptune co-presence and i, I started thinking about it and i was like it is kind of like saturnian and neptunian at the same time if you think about willy wonka as a character he is He's whimsical and mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the original Iwanka, I looked it up, came out on the day of a Saturn 
Neptune opposition. So oh, there is, yeah, there is this I like. Yeah, yeah, well, because the chocolate, well, because the chocolate factory is like, it's supposed to be this wonderful dream, right? It's supposed to be this like dream landscape place where dreams come true, um, but it's ruled by <laughs> this very uh, severe, strict, um, confusing, yeah, musical, but yeah. And it's like, is he fun or is he scary? Like. Is this intentional or is he insane? <laughs> the whole, you know, and the whole process is like a test that they don't realize they're taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's a factory, right? A factory is a Saturn ruled place. Right. But there's but, a chocolate river running through it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a fun house. And it's like, yeah. it's terrifying. Like, you don't know if it's going to be a happy dream or terrifying. It's exactly what you said. Like, <laughs> Um, you know, and then there's the Oompa Loompas and they're like always telling you what you've done wrong and the ways in which you have morally failed, (laughs) which is very Pisces too. Like, you know, and at the end, the game is something completely different. Like, it's like Charlie thinks he's won because he's the last one standing. Mm -hmm. But in fact he's he he's he's being told he lost because of like an obscure contract that didn't make sense and then oh but he ends up winning because of his integrity because of his courage to give back the everlasting gobst everlasting gobstopper you know he shows his like internal courage his internal righteousness and that was the real test all along you know And what does Wonka say at the end of the movie? He's like, don't worry about the others. They'll all be returned to their normal, horrible self or something. So even the consequences aren't real. You know, it's like... Right, they're like all... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is a very Saturn and Neptune situation. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's, it's exactly like what... It's what Saturn is generating right now for all of us. Like we're in this space where we don't know what the test is. We don't know what the consequences will be. We don't know if any of it's real. And then, you know, Pluto is hanging out in his sign, just like amplifying everything that could possibly be scary about the unknown future that Saturn is trying to create in Pisces so it's like a real fucking weird time like I just expect that the next two years are going to be weird like not bad but real weird I just I think you know what it is part of the reason I'm so optimistic is I feel like the last you know three four five years or so have also been very weird but in this, like, very horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, not a nice, not anything, I don't know. It just feels like there wasn't a lot of space. I mean, probably that Saturn square, right, situation where it was just, like, everything was kind of stuck. It was just, like, horror and inability to execute on anything and, you know, having personal overwhelm and all this and so for me, 
I'm thinking about two more years of things being weird, but like without that, I'm like, yeah, great. We can do well, weird. We can totally do weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like weird with the possibility of it being awesome is a thing. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, and I'm not saying it's going to be awesome for everybody because nothing ever is. I'm just saying that there's like a much bigger window of opportunity, I think. It's like Saturn and Neptune are literally like, make your own reality. See what happens. <laughs> what will happen? We don't know. <laughs> will it be an, a you know beautiful dream or will it be a nightmare? It's up to you. <laughs> like, what are you and then Pluto's going, Pluto's going, but it might be bad. There's consequences. There's consequences to things. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pluto's just like, oh, you you want to go down that that pathway you want to you want to see what's in there great yeah sure here's the keys I'm, i'll unlock it for you like go ahead like pluto's just gonna throw us down as many sinkholes into the underworld as he possibly can during this process of going through the funhouse factory like the pluto you know like that scene and i'm just gonna stick with this because why not but you know the scene in willy wonka where they do the they do like the the initial pure imagination song which is like i haven't very... seen the new one i've only seen the old ones so... no the old one when they the old one. Okay, okay. they go okay. into the factory and he sings a world of pure imagination which is also yeah, very yeah. all the candy structures and flowers and landscape and everything yeah which is also very Saturn Neptune, I feel. Um, but you know, and they 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 go into the chocolate factory, and then they go on that little boat, and then they go mm-hmm. through that like portal, and it's just like a horrific nightmare. And he sings that creepy song, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's like the Pluto. That's the first um, like push into the Plutonian underworld. It's like just the 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 bombardment of the nightmare like you don't even know what it is like you have no idea where you're going you don't know what the rest like one kid just died or you know drowned in the chocolate river so you know anything could happen (laughs) you go into the portal of horrors um and that's sort of like the plutonian yeah the plutonian entrance um it doesn't mean that the rest of the journey is going to be horrible but it does mean that you're going to have to like have a lot of courage to move through it. See, this sounds great to me. Everything you just said, it all sounds so great. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you have a very, very high level of comfort with uh, fear, chaos, and um, change. I know. I know. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be the person um, commenting on this. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah. Like, you're talking about sinkholes. I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds great. All the sinkholes. Let's do it. Get the keys, man. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like we're going to emerge so much better and more powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. But how do you make it work, Tess? Like, how do you make it just not be like a nightmare disaster that makes you wish for death? Oh, you just um, you just become comfortable with death. <laughs> you just become like, okay with 
the idea of, I mean, literally, that's what a lot, you know, kind of traditionally, like, imagining death being, even yeah. though there's all these other things attached to it, but, like, death is the foundation, and the more you can just, you know, move into that space and feel comfortable in it, it really does go a long way. Um, yeah. But it, one of the, I was thinking a lot about Pluto from our last conversation, and then, yeah. um, because um, we've had several folks, I think we probably mutual acquaintances, I don't think anyone's not, but that are kind of moving through some challenging difficulty or some like big difficulties come up in the yeah. last um, week or so. Um, so I, I just, and then <laughs> rediscovering for the 25th time that I have put on my first house, <laughs> like all these different, all these things. Um, yeah. Kind of making me, you know, just sort of like kind of sent me down like a little bit of a rabbit hole thinking about Pluto. That and um, I had a conversation with Jeffrey about it. And um, I don't want to like negate anything that you've ever said about Pluto because it might sound like I am a little bit, but I'm, it's just like a different. It's okay. You can negate me. No, no, no. It's because I don't think you're wrong. Like, this is the thing is that I think that when you're trying to create stories around principles, you can see it. There's like a lot of different angles to look at them. Right. From, right. And um, so Jeffrey just had this really beautiful insight. Um, and he, he does a little bit of Vedic astrology, but it's not like his main thing. Um, he was talking about how um, that there are like a lot of different gates into the underworld he was like mm -hmm. there's all these gates and he's like and even neptune can be like the mist on the river right and i was like like probably depending on what else is going on right and so i was like oh that's really interesting but then i really started thinking about like but what is the role of hades in the mythology like where because i was a huge greek mythology nerd as a child right no one is surprised but uh <laughs> I had, you know, I haven't read the stories in a long time, but he doesn't, he's only really largely featured in the Persephone story. Um, mm. And there's even a lot of stories where people go into the underworld, they don't necessarily see Hades. So I was like, I couldn't remember. I was like, what is his role in the underworld? So I went to look for him and um, it turns out that he is, he oversees the judgment mm. and he doesn't act he doesn't act as the judge and he doesn't act as the one that carries out punishment he mm. simply oversees it and he he is he does not hear prayers and so i was like uh. he's not it's interesting right because he's not in a huge position of power um He's just overseeing the analysis of what you have done. Interesting. At the moment that like the consequences could happen, and he, the implication is kind of that he doesn't have power over the process either, which is why he is deaf to the prayers. Mm. So he's not going to be able to respond to your right. to begging, <laughs> basically. So I was like, it's interesting because it's like. Um, there's a very strong element of just like 
consequences for just being like a herald of consequences, um, which can be good or bad. And the name Pluto um, is from a Latin word for the, the Latin word Pluton, which I could be mispronouncing. I'm not sure how it's said, um, but it means a giver of wealth. Hmm. That's so interesting. The like, because Pluto has such a strong association with power, right? But I think the power is the it's the revelation of the way that power is used and the way the power the power that you have taken and the power that you have shied away from and the power that's been foisted that has been used for you and against you. So it's not like he's the he's not the one that is wielding the power. You know, those are the other actors, but he's the one who is sort of opening up our eyes to what is hidden. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other kind of thing that I was thinking about is um or there's two more things that I kind of I haven't fully formed the thoughts, but I'm sure you'll have some good stuff to add to this. But the story, you know, the Persephone story, the earth cracks open and he comes to the surface and takes Persephone down. Yeah. So there's also a quality to him where you don't have to go to the underworld to meet him. He can move through the heavens and on the earth. Yeah. But it's generally considered pretty ominous. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's like, that's the most Plutonian sort of aspect, like the most direct um, correlation to what I would relate to the relate with the planet Pluto, because that is really what Pluto can feel like. It can feel like you're just getting, like I said, the sinkhole before, but like you're getting mm-hmm. sucked mm-hmm. into something that was always there but is now you can't turn away from it. Like it's, it's, you don't have the option of ignoring it anymore or shoving it down, depending upon where Pluto's hitting your chart. Like definitely I've seen clients and in my own life, people are like, that's not a very important part of my life. Just keeping that door closed because the vibes are real freaky in there. Um, especially if it hits a part of your chart that has more to do with other people can be like, well, maybe I just won't talk to my mom for 20 years. That's okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, um, but yeah, no, I think that's exactly, that's exactly what Pluto does. And, you know, and then what Persephone becomes the Lord of the underworld, I mean, or the, the, not the Lord, the queen queen of the underworld. Right. And Mm -hmm. emerges, in spring to regenerate everything on the surface but if she didn't have her role if she didn't have the lay of the land of the underworld and the ability to uh to go through to guide things through the death process then she wouldn't have the ability to like rebirth everything or like to to regenerate everything in the spring is that a correct interpretation I haven't read an interpretation that goes into that much detail, but if but that is obviously reflected in nature, right? Like yeah. we need the plants need the soil needs that time 
um, to regenerate everything so that everything can come can come back and continue yeah. to come back. Another thing that I started thinking about was the difference between Saturn and Hades and um, Pluto, because I, I've had trouble kind of differentiating them in my mind and what the qualities are and the experiences are. And so again, I looked back at the mythology and I was like, oh, Saturn is Hades' father. Right. Kronos. <laughs> Kronos, right. So Kronos, who was the Titan, who <clears throat> is kind of the villain in a lot of the Greek mythology. Um, but I, I have, I, I love Saturn very much. So I don't want to say anything bad about Saturn, but there is like a much more punitive quality to Saturn than there is to Hades. Like Saturn is yeah. the devourer. Um, yeah. I mean, traditionally that's one of his, his roles. He's the one who punishes or like creates the consequence, the boundary, the consequence, mm -hmm. the, the point at yeah, which like, you can like go he no further. Right, so the actual consequence, as opposed to if Pluto is just overseeing or just heralding yes. the judgment yeah. process, like Saturn is the one who's actually <laughs> implementing. Yeah. Totally. Um, but it's it, but it's interesting because I mean we we obviously it, it's so easy to make it sound like a terrible thing, you yeah. know, and even in the stories it's not not a good thing. Um, but if you think about um, Pluto as like the opportunity, you know, or like the uh, the kind of turning point between uh, causation and action, I guess. Like yeah. there's something that has been building and now is going to happen. And Saturn is the thing that makes that happen. Right. Um, it can be really good, um, especially if, because Saturn can help you perfect things and refine things and really kind of dig into things that are right and things that are true and things that are real and Pluto yeah. is going to be there saying is it you know what is it that everything that you've been doing has been leading up to is it leading right. you to truth is it leading you to reality um yeah so that was a lot of the positive ideas that I came up with from um the idea of Pluto. And also, it's just interesting because um, we don't, it's like there's obviously this quality of life that we've um, decided to explain as Pluto or as the underworld. Yeah. Right? And, it's, and it's strongly associated with death, but it's actually not like real death it's the death that we deal with in life right it's like all these little deaths and yeah. actual death would be you know kind of it's a lot simpler um but for us having to deal with like a death process it's a lot more challenging because then we have to decide how we're going to live <laughs> how are we right. going to live through this right. how are we going to live after this how are we going to um, what are we trying to regenerate? What are we trying to grow into? Um, so it's just a very, um, sometimes, a lot of times I think that some of the fear that we experience when we're going through a death process is just of, it's just of life, 
right? It's just of continuing to live. It's just of what might happen. It's just yeah. of um, ourselves and how we approach things and how we deal with things, um, which is all valid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really thinking about this now because it's making me have new appreciation for Pluto, <laughs> which I never <laughs> thought I would say because I'm always like, oh, this guy is horrible. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating to think of him as a figure who observes a process <laughs> and gives us access to a process because it's almost like he's trying to do us a favor, which is brings it all. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's not quite exactly right because he's observing our judgment, which of course we don't, we don't ever want to feel judged, but we do have to. But but if you've accrued merit or you've, you know, been lining something up for yourself, eventually you do want that to have the opportunity to hit the ground. So judged is like a very negative sounding word, but Yes, sometimes we do want to be judged. Sometimes we do. (laughs) Well, you know, there there is an aspect of it's like revealing the material that if we move through it, we can we can launch into another realm of of experience that that we might not have access to. other, otherwise, if we don't move through mat- the material, so we kind of need Pluto to pinpoint the spots. Like, you got to look under the basement here because there's a bunch of mold and it's going to kill you yeah. if you don't get yeah. in there, you know? Um, And, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is where everything you've taught me in your spiritual group and... Um, and I could be totally off here, but I, I even sort of did some of this today, but with like having bhakti or having a relationship with the divine or having a devotional relationship, um, with a deva or any form of the divine where it's just like, for me, Pluto has been dredging up so much of my fear around, speaking to the public speaking at all listening to my own words being able to articulate my ideas like all of this stuff just immediately as soon as pluto hit the third house it was like so much bigger and more terrifying than it has felt in a long time but in this devotional relationship with context you know i can say like shiva please process all of this as more quickly and more efficiently than I could myself, you know? And it's just one of those times where it's like the magic is in, there's so much more potency in trying to leverage your relationship with, I know leverage is probably the wrong word. It's like a weird capitalist word, but trying to offer up the material that you don't know how to move through to the divine is like, for me at least, a, a much more effective process than going through it all myself. Not that you don't still have to go through it, you do. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in the last couple of days, I've just been like praying, doing mantras, like trying to 
get rid of this terrible feeling I have about myself and the way I communicate and my ability to articulate my ideas, you know, it's like a horrifying space to move into. And my moon is there. So it's clearly a huge part of my life. You know, it's, it's interesting for me personally, as an astrologer, I always look at someone's moon sign to give me a indication of what that person needs to feel good, just like on a very basic level. So it's going to tell me, like, even if it's just a, a, a very basic starting point, okay, where's this person's moon? What sign is it in? What house is it? What house is it in? And what do those three things tell me about what makes them feel happy, satiated, comfortable, seeing all of the things that the moon is trying to do for us? And for me, it's in the third house. And so on a very basic level, it's like, I just need to talk to my friends. <laughs> I need to talk to the people that are closest to me. I need to be in like regular, constant, loving, stimulating conversation with the people who are absolutely the closest to me. And um, and I've seen this with other clients that also have the moon in the third house. And I was thinking about how weird it is, like, starting a podcast at this time because it's like my – the third house is growing. It, it leaps and bounds for me because the people I'm communicating with on a daily basis or on a regular basis are not just my best friends or my family or whatever. It's like this bigger audience, this amorphous um, community um, that I don't know. I don't know how big it will get, how small it will stay. Like, I have no idea. But in that space, like, in that question is a huge amount of terror for me because I'm very comfortable expressing myself to the people I'm comfortable with and very terrified of expressing myself to um, a wider audience and always have been. So it's been interesting material to move into um, just in the last couple of days, you know, and, and, and just generally for anybody who's interested in trying to understand where these, how these dynamics might be impacting them. Look at Aquarius. What does it rule in your chart? What planets are there? What do those planets rule? Um, Because that's, that's going to contain like the kernels of all the information that you're going to need. And intuitively mm-hmm. you might not even need it. Like whatever is coming up right now that feels scary, that feels like overwhelming or feels shameful or feels like something you don't want to look at. That's just what Pluto is triggering in this scary big announcement phase. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to contend with it in our own life. And then we have to contend with it in the collective And in the collective, it'll take on a whole science fiction, like weird, you know, hue. (laughs) You know, it's like half science fiction and then half just like, what is the future, you know? And and Tess and I have been doing a lot of year ahead readings. And um, that's been a consistent theme that we've seen for February. It's just like people being afraid of what the future might hold. Might hold, yeah. Well, I think, you know, you're doing really good with it, all of it. I, I'm sorry that it's, I understand, <laughs> too. It's not, 
No, it's really scary. It is. It just is. I don't know how it could not be. Um, you're doing great. You were a guest speaker on another podcast already. I was. was it was exciting. so much fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I did that yesterday. I'll, I was on um, this podcast called The Spiritual Gaze, and it is hosted by uh, my friend Brandon and their husband, Angel. And I worked with Angel many eons ago at Participant Media, um, my very oh, first like, grown-up job. Yeah. yeah. And they're just like so wonderful and lovely. And it was so much fun talking with them and just nerding out about astrology. They have um, like their own interesting spiritual community and their own offerings that they do. And but yeah, we just we talked mostly about Pluto and Aquarius and a little bit about Jupiter and Gemini, but it was so fun. Um, but I was really nervous beforehand, for sure. Um, Let's see, this is an example. The fear doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> the fear and what will actually happen are two separate things. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Um, the fear and the quality of the experience are two different things. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really curious about February because I actually, I, okay, I, if we just take a quick minute to do like some basic, you know, what's coming up, I still think we're in like this really good productive phase. Like we have, um, we have to contend with these big feelings from Pluto and Aquarius, but we still have Mars and Capricorn venus just moved into capricorn earlier this week um so i think there's going to be this really nice like two to three week period of venus jumping into the fray of whatever you've been building since the beginning of january and really supporting it and helping it feel good and helping it feel more um satisfying so and mercury is still in capricorn so we have Mercury, Mars, Venus, all in Capricorn, doing Capricorny stuff, uh, being productive, um, and w- w- probably what will additionally aid those Capricorn activities is Pluto leaving Capricorn, right? Because we don't have that like intense charge around the qualities of Capricorn anymore. It's just sort of back to itself. You know, people are going to be like, oh, what did, what do we, what do we do here again? Like, oh, this isn't so scary. This is fine. Like, we just lay bricks here and we build things and we are productive and we're grounded in ourselves and we, we have access to our own authority again. And, you know, so that's, we're just taking really it a nice. day at a time. We're just, we don't yes. know what's coming, but we don't mind. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that, I, th- I think to to balance as a balance to this all of this like new surging of fear that's associated with Pluto and Aquarius we get this newer or this return to a more essential uh experience of Capricorn and we get to have Mars in Capricorn, where he's the strongest and most capable and most um, effective at just being practically productive. So I think, I do think the next, you know, two weeks are going to be pervaded with this quality of 
forward movement that maybe we haven't felt in a while, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the tone will probably shift pretty dramatically in mid-February when Mercury um, and maybe a little, we'll probably hear the, the beginning reverberations of it with Mercury on the 4th. And then by the time the 12th and 13th come, when Mars hits Pluto, that will be the first Mars-Pluto conjunction. And it might not be great. Um, the first Mars-Pluto conjunction in Aquarius. So typically Mars spreads and amplifies and um, takes direct action around the processes of Pluto in a way that Pluto on his own doesn't do. Um, so like like you said, Pluto's just observing the judgment, but Mars is going to come in and be like, you're judged, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> and he'll take action. Right. Yes, and he'll take action. And, you know, I think that probably the what we'll see is like Aquarius ideas about what the future should be and not just you know any particular person not visionary ideas of the future just like everyday people's view of the future you know so mars comes in to the pluto party you know he opens the door walks to the threshold pluto's there mars is in a morning star phase right so he just renewed himself in in november He had this obstacle. He gained a bunch of strength in Capricorn. He's like ready to rumble. Like he's going to roll into Aquarius. Like I'm strong. I'm young. I am elated. I am ready. And he's the first thing he's going to hit is Pluto. And he's going to be like, you got a crazy idea. Let's fucking do it. You know, (laughs) like you, you, you want to fight about this? Show me to the nearest sinkhole. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Show me to the nearest sinkhole. Let's do it. Like, you know, and and that's the thing is everybody has their own relationship to the planet. So it, it's just Mars is going to amplify the aggression of everybody's attachments to their ideas and everybody's attachments to the future that they want. Um. And Mars and Pluto, unfortunately, can be big violence. And I don't say that to be like everyone's going to experience violence on this day by any means, but it's always going to create a much bigger opportunity to see violence in the world. So, mm-hmm. but we got a couple of really good weeks before. before. I know. I keep, I, I feel like I'm probably going to end up saying the same thing again and again a few times like throughout the podcast so I apologize if I get old That's okay. but um you know just remember that the world might feel like it's ending and it's not you know there just because the future is unknown or because it seems like it could be bad it's you know there's always good and bad things coming yeah if, if astrology tells us nothing else there's always good things coming and hard things coming and the future is is still there so just don't 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 feel like don't get stuck feeling like the world is ending and like nothing matters it still matters yeah and you have to you know to be optimistic about the future which is a big 
quality of Aquarius, right? It's like, that's where we get the optimism about the future is from Aquarius, you know? It's like, we're trying to think about how to restructure everything for everybody's best, you know, for the, for the benefit of all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to strive toward that, we still, we have to retain optimism in our own life, you know, and engagement in our own life um, so that we can be a part of the future. So it's like, don't let Pluto take away your belief in yourself and in your path, you know? Mm-hmm. Back to what you were saying at the beginning that Aquarius is associated with the collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Pluto is, um, you know, revealing the hidden things, I mean, that's actually another very positive um, manifestation of Pluto. If Pluto is going to reveal to us, you know, the folks that are being left out. Yeah, and absolutely. Important, and, important, and important things that are being left behind or that aren't being addressed and that really need to be. Um, so I think that's probably going to be a pretty, like a very welcome theme for the next 20 years. Yeah. Even though some of it might be more even though the implementation might sometimes be misguided. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The implement, (laughs) it will, Pluto will probably create a charge around a lot of different issues related to the collective. And um, I think you're exactly right. Like revealing those people who have been outside the boundaries of the, the current, um, structure that that the current structure is not serving properly and Mm -hmm. and that we don't want to look at we don't want to look at those things like that's that's pluto sort of like putting the dog's nose in you know their excrement it's like you must look at this you cannot turn away from this like the look at what you have avoided looking at because you can't stand the side of it or you can't you don't want to look at what you've participated in you know so or or in contrast to capricorn which is kind of about the exaltation of the structures don't look at the things that um undermined yeah exactly which is the traditions and the the systems of authority and everything so i mean i think that Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say again that how we <laughs> approach that in yeah. action might not always be good, but I do think it's a good um, thing to do. Yeah, I think that I think there'll be a lot of um, there. There'll be a surge also in collective discourse. And then a backlash against collectivist discourse. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be yeah. both things. Like, cause Pluto will create yeah. such a big charge around it that there'll be like more people trying to engage in um, like generating collective power, but then a huge, a, probably a huge surge of narratives around like the dangers of like collectivist ignorance like a bunch of people acting on things that they don't understand and um 
it'll be probably pretty interesting because uh, there probably will be a lot of examples of people acting out of delusion in mass. Um, but they those, <laughs> but we'll end up throwing that narrative at the wrong groups. You know, it'll be the groups that actually have like, you know, quality intentions and know what they're talking about and are trying to make something better that that like they don't know what they're talking about narrative will get wielded um most forcefully at unfortunately because that's what tends to happen um but yeah i don't know it'll be interesting and i'm i'm looking forward to not necessarily the process but the outcome <laughs> which is the opposite of what you're supposed to um do but i <laughs> like I, I i can already feel it, like you know my I, I can already feel my sense of authority sort of filtering back in now that pluto has left capricorn so i can see why okay like this was a good thing we went through a journey we're getting access to our authority back. So we're going to go through something difficult in Aquarius. And then eventually we're going to, we're going to get it back better. <laughs> so I also just have to kind of point out that I am one of your very good friends and I am strong Pluto qualities. And I know that a couple other friends of yours also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that you might be better friends with Pluto than maybe you think. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Um, yeah, you and Kevin both have like oh, rising Scorpios. I didn't even... Yeah, I didn't know Kevin too. Yeah, Kevin also has rising Scorpio in his um, first house with Pluto. So yeah, I'm definitely familiar. I'm like familiar and comfortable with the Plutonian force. Um, but... Yeah, I, th I think just as an astrologer, more than anything, Pluto has, I've been very wary of Pluto because I see people struggle with it so much. And like people, especially with Pluto um, moon configurations in their birth chart, I just feel a lot of um, compassion and empathy for that. Because if you have Pluto on your moon in your birth chart, or you have Pluto squaring your moon in your birth chart, you're going to struggle with fear probably more than the average person and um it's just kind of it's like this haunting uh this quality of being haunted almost and you know I, I see the way that it it kind of plagues people so as an astrologer I'm always like oh this motherfucker but you know I get that there's a role for every planetary body to play and obviously a very important one for Pluto to play um, which is it's also interesting because Pluto is not a planet, right? Like he's um, like a planetoid in the Kuiper belt. Uh, he's not even the biggest body in the Kuiper belt. Um, but he kind of belongs to this like far out icy realm that's actually outside of the orbit of the other planets. But Pluto just happens to be the only body within the Kuiper belt that dips into the orbit of our planets so it dips into neptune's orbit just slightly mm -hmm. at parts of the year so it's like he literally is like the gateway between our um like 
into the outer realms. You know, he's the only one that dips in and out. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's there. He's doing things. He's always hanging out somewhere in our chart. So we don't have to be afraid of him. Um, but it is worth, you know, gauging directly with whatever he's highlighting in the moment. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think I actually have to go relatively soon, but sure. I wanted to say that, um, in our last episode, we talked about doing a, uh, revisiting some of the major transits of Pluto and Capricorn. Uh, we decided not to do that on the podcast cause it's very tedious <laughs> and, um, a lot of me talking and it's actually something that having a visual aid is really helpful with. So I decided to do it as like special videos. Um, they're not up yet, but I'm going to try to record at least one of them next week. And then maybe like, just maybe it'll become a thing. I'll just try to do something like this every week, but um, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do like little videos with the charts up that will revisit some of the major, uh, the major stories that Pluto revealed in the collective when he was in Capricorn. So like the banking crisis I'll do, um, or the mortgage crisis and the 2008 recession, um, the Arab spring and, um, probably COVID maybe, and then maybe Trump's presidency. Um, I'm not going to promise all of those, but those are, those are the ones I'm thinking about doing. And it'll just be like a real geeky, nerdy, like situation. (laughs) So we'll make that available to the Substack um, subscribers. So if you want that additional content and you want to like get really dorky and look at these um, transits, then you can subscribe to the Substack. And I think it'll be kind of like, I I guess my goal in it is kind of to show the way that the outer planets operate, which is very much in relationship to the um, faster moving inner planets. So what um, what these little examples can show you is the way that Pluto kind of like creates this charge and like gins up all of this uh, material around a certain theme and then that the faster moving planets will you know interact with that create a crisis spread the crisis or shift the narrative or or whatever and i think it's um it's just like a, if you want to understand more about how the outer planets operate it could be an interesting way to do that but i won't subject everyone on the podcast to it because it's really really tedious and dorky <laughs> So, yeah. Well, I'm excited and um, I, I just, you know, I appreciate you doing this and doing it with me. And I know it's really scary and I'm thank you for doing it anyway. <laughs> and I'm so thank glad you. that you're going to do Yeah, and I'm so glad that you're going to do the additional content and that you're being um, appreciated by other podcasters out there. So, I'm very, very yeah. excited for you, um, even Me though I know it's scary. Yeah. It's like a huge blessing to do this with you. It's so much fun. And like we've been talking about it for so long. So I'm happy we finally mm-hmm. jumped in. And 
Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you all soon.